What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Hey there, parents and teachers. Are you tired of feeling like every day is a battle of wills with your kids? Let me tell you about something that changed the game. Love and Logic. Love and Logic isn't just another parenting or teaching strategy. It's a mindset shift that empowers you to raise responsible, respectful kids while keeping your sanity intact. With Love and Logic, you'll learn practical techniques to set limits with empathy, give your kids the tools they need to make smart choices, and build relationships based on mutual respect and understanding. Love and Logic stands behind their methods with a one-year money-back guarantee. Try it out risk-free. If it doesn't change your life, we'll buy it back. Plus, you can get 10% off with code IHEART10. So if you're ready to say goodbye to power struggles and hello to peaceful, loving relationships with your kids, it's time to give Love & Logic a try. Visit their website or call today. Your sanity will thank you. Love & Logic, because parenting and teaching should be a joy, not a chore. Visit loveandlogic.com. Welcome back to not only a new episode of Her with Amina Brown, but welcome back to a new series on Her with Amina Brown. And I am excited to welcome my producer and husband. Uh, Priorities not in that order, just that he is both my producer and husband, Matthew Owen, also known as DJ Obdiggy. Hey, babe. Hey. <laughs> you know, it's going to feel really weird is when I do this in post-production and I add the applause like... <laughs> Right. I guess we're going to see uh, how how I view myself mm, if mm. I give myself more applause mm. or less applause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something for me and my therapist to work out. I'm <laughs> okay. <sure. laughs> 
like exact facts, exact facts. This series is called Road Stories. And Matt and I have quite a few road stories because we started traveling and performing together on the road the same month that we got married. Wow. (laughs) So we have had at least, we've been married 11 years. 11. So uh, prior to the pandemic, that's what, at least nine, eight, nine years that we were on the road together. Yeah. Pretty heavy there. So nights in weird cities. Oh man, we have a lot of stories to tell y'all. So there are going to be a few to several. We're not sure how many episodes, but they're going to be more than one episode of us telling you a few of the interesting road stories we experienced. And those of you that have been here for other episodes where Matt has come on, which maybe we've only had one, because I think we we did an episode for an anniversary a year or so ago. Is that I think that might be our only I episode. I think that's right, but I, I think it's probably right on a her podcast <laughs> that he only come. You know what I mean? That's that's fair. That's a fair the, point. The thespian motto mm. from high school. I've carried it with me into many things in life, mm-hmm. and I say this is one: know your part and play it well. That's it. So I'm honored to be asked. That's it. So if you missed that episode, we will link to it in the show notes on aminabrown.com slash her with Amina. You can go there and see all of the things. Okay. So to give you a little bit of background, you can get more of the background on the previous episode where we talked about our story, how we met. But so you have a little bit of an idea. Matt and I met as became friends and collaborators. So in a sense, what brought us together was the fact that we were building a show at the time. And I was traveling, as some of you know, I was traveling very heavily in more white, conservative Christian spaces back then. And I was kind of tired of being sort of pigeonholed into this like one poem at a time model. And so I had asked my then friend, Matt, to partner with me. And as a DJ and musician, we pull together this amazing show. And I want to say maybe like two or three months before we got married, we got a booking agent. And then before we knew it, we got married September 9. And I'm pretty sure two or three weeks later, we had our first gigs together. (laughs) That sounds wild. And I was there to see it the first time. But just hearing you recount the story, that sounds Crazy. Yeah. My my just friend Amina had uh, asked me if I wanted to go into the studio with her and figure out how to build a show with a DJ and a poet. And I'll be honest, number one, I didn't know how to work with a poet. I knew how to, you know, make music for a rapper or for a singer or make something that I would maybe perform myself. But with free verse poetry, it's uh it's a very interesting thing because it's not like here are your eight bars, land here. And so, you know, I was just intrigued by, well, let's see what happens. And here here we are. We saw what happened. So it worked out. But I do remember thinking that I had an idea that, okay, we're going to build this thing and ain't nobody going to pay for me to travel with you. So they're going to figure out how to, you know, if this was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and if I'm the jelly, they're going to figure out how to make their own jam. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be like, well, here's this track that we could play while you do your poetry. Let that guy stay in the ATL, you know? And so I, I was like, ain't nobody going to take us on the road. And then for like, what a good four years we traveled off yeah. of that, that show. That's true. 
That's true. It's wild to think now. And I made I made some decisions at the time, y'all, that I still can't believe Matt and I did this, but we got engaged on my birthday in 2011. So that was on May 20th. Shout out to the May babies in the building. We got engaged that day. So we decided to plan our wedding pretty quickly because we were in our 30s. I, I just, it wasn't as important to me to have this like amazing venue. I mean, this was a lot of really like before people had, before people were streaming their weddings. This was before weddings had wow. hashtags and stuff like that, <laughs> wow. you know? So I wasn't as concerned about what the wedding pictures were going to do on the gram or anything like that. That wasn't of concern to me. Also, to be honest, we didn't have budget to nope. be on. At that time, Matt was working as a youth pastor at a church and I was traveling to churches. So neither of us were making excellent money. <laughs> at the time. So we were trying to have a short engagement because I, we were ready to start our lives together, but also uh, waiting a year to save up more money to have a more extravagant wedding just wasn't a thing that we cared much about. So we were engaged with a three and a half month time to get married. Also, Matt's fiance Amina decided this is a great time to launch the show that <laughs> we've been building for the past year. Makes sense so to me. we actually... In the middle of being engaged and planning a wedding pretty quickly, also we're launching this show that we were going to do at the time. So we launched it in Atlanta so that we could get video of it, so we could see what it was going to do. So it's just wild to think that we launched the show in the time we were engaged and actually were able to secure some gigs shortly after. Now... Here's where the road stories gets interesting, y'all. We have all manner of types of road stories to tell y'all. And some of this is really awkward. I think some of it's pretty hilarious now in hindsight. And I do feel like we have a few cool, cool stories to tell, like some cool stuff that we got to do or that we got to experience because we were people that traveled a lot. I want to start with the merch table. I want to center mm. our conversation around that today because you would be surprised about the amount of awkward conversations that we have had at the merch table. And for those of you who aren't familiar, because this was this story for us was beginning over 10 years ago. So even what was at the merch table. <laughs> Man, first of all, remember having a merch table? <laughs> oh my gosh. Like the idea that... We would get to a venue and one of us would have to go and set up books, CDs, T-shirts. You're, you're paying for these items to be manufactured and you have to figure out how to get them to the gig with you. So traveling with me, you're already carrying. For me, it was I was flying with my turntables, my mixer, all of my gear. Right. As well as clothing and, you know, toothbrushes and all that stuff. But then you got to carry books, CDs, T-shirts, hoping you made something that people are going to be like, yeah, let me buy it. Or else you're just dragging around <laughs> all this stuff for nothing and then trying to set it up in a way. And oh, oh, banners. I remember also Ooh, banners. Child, I forgot about banners. Help us. Banners, a, a thing where it would roll out and there'd be a massive picture of you <laughs> or a massive picture of me. Right. And just going through through TSA, first of all. Mm -hmm. Going through TSA was its own experience because you're carrying this thing in your hand because there's not really a good way to check the banners. 
and they're asking you, what is this? And I don't know why I always got asked, oh, are you a professional pool player? Like, oh, are those pool cues or pool sticks? And I'm like, shout out to Uncle Phil in the pool hall. Right, I am okay. not. <laughs> <laughs> this is not an Uncle Phil moment. Nah. That's not what this is. People also thought sometimes they were fishing poles. They wanted to know if yeah, we were going to go yeah. fishing somewhere. And we were like, wow, we have like the least cool story to tell regarding what is in this package. It's a massive so, picture of my wife's face. And they looked at me like, what? <laughs> it almost seemed disappointed. Like, well, I forgot about that. Then it goes into, well, why do you have a massive picture of your wife's face? Well, my wife's a poet and she's going to talk at this thing. And don't even bring up the fact that my turntables were going through TS. Yikes. Yikes. And it's like every time we would get to a venue, open up that thing, and I would see that little slip that said, I was like, oh, Lord, please help these things. Work. Like you show up just in time for sound check, setting up, and it's like, got to figure out something. Yikes, y'all. Like thinking about that now, the amount of the amount of luggage that we had to check, and then you're limited. Like we each had, at that time, we each had two bags each that we could afford either afford to check or were able to amass enough mileage that we were able to like be uh, have enough status that we could check those bags for free. So we had four bags between us we could check. And then we had two items we each could air quotes carry on. So there were a lot of choices being made. <laughs> and, and having to use those uh those weird hanger weights. Oh uh, yikes. To make sure our luggage wasn't gonna be over because it was gonna charge you mad amounts of money. Yikes. Cause I do feel like we ended up, especially when you were traveling with your turntables, that's two, that's two pieces of air quotes. Forty three pounds each flight by itself. Then we would have to take one bag to be all of our clothing, which yep. for me is um, more of a sacrifice. You know, it's it's Matt having a corner of the luggage and me having all these shoes. And... If I could pack one pair of jeans, <laughs> I could rock it with three or four different T-shirts and we good. <laughs> and then we would have a bag that was the merch. Yep. Now, I think at a certain point, we got sophisticated enough that we started having enough merch that we could ship. Yeah. But it took us time, like, getting to know other artists who were traveling to know that you could do that. But also... It took uh, forethought and yes. planning because yes. there would be times that there'd be times that we just like didn't think about it. And now it's two days before it's too late to ship. Or there would be times where we were doing a bunch of gigs back to back. And so you had certain merch you could ship to that gig, but then that merch was going to get shipped back home, but we weren't going home. So then we had to have a certain amount of merch we could fly with and take to the other thing. Mental gymnastics. Lot. It was a lot, y'all. Yeah. So let me give you an idea of what the merch table is, which I think most artists still like, you know, when you go to just even general concerts and stuff like that, there's still a merch area. It's just very different than it was when we were starting out together. So the types of events we were doing at this time I would say tended to be probably half very large events, events that were in an arena, events that were in a large ballroom in a hotel, you know, events that could be anywhere from like 2,000 people up to in a big arena of like 18,000 folks. So this is what made you have to get to a point as an artist that you had a banner because you needed something that was big enough that people would know, oh, they just saw you on stage. Oh, that's that person. Yes, this yes. is this is where they go to like buy your things. Yeah. And of course, back then, you typically would have, well, for us, we would have had CDs. Mm -hmm. we, both, we both had our, you know, 
our solo artist CDs, but really all of my CDs were not technically solo because Matt made all of the music that people mm-hmm. were hearing if it had music to it, right? So you would have your CDs there. Uh, we tried a run with various of sundry shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Remember your first shirt? <laughs> it was so ugly. <laughs> I, my, my first shirt I tried to design myself was like so terrible. By the time Matt and I became friends, he was like, what does this look like? Mm. What is what what is this? Mm. And I was like, I was trying to go with like a metallic foil, and he was like, "Yikes! Like you can't." You know, when you're talking to an artist, you have to be <laughs> at the tiptoe <laughs> in, especially just getting to know you, and even still being husband and wife. For us to still be doing this together, it's still you gotta enter it with a certain. <laughs> you gotta tip your toe in the water, you know, and. So you don't want to be like, oh, you like this? But it's like, um, so tell me about this shirt. You know, what What do you, how Yikes. do you, what do you think about mm-hmm. it? What do you, do you, do you like, do you like it? You like that? That's what you were going for? And uh, yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes too, this changed over time. But in the beginning, you may not be getting paid a lot to go and do the gig. So you're hoping you're going to make some extra money at the merch table. Yes. Now, where it gets tricky is T-shirts are, quiet as it's kept, not cheap to no. produce. No. And then you typically have to order such a large amount of them yep. that you had to have money. Like you had to basically have an account that was just for merch so that when you sold merch, you had to keep a certain amount of money so that you could spend $1,000 on shirts. We still have a checking account in our business account <laughs> that's called the that's merch, called the merch account. account. Neither one of us have set up a merch table in years pre-pandemic. Years. Yeah. And even and even I think the gigs that I was still doing where I was like selling books and stuff, a lot of times by then bookstores and stuff were running the sales and the table. So I didn't have yeah. to, I didn't have to ship them. I didn't have to figure out where they went. You're right. I didn't have to handle the money. So like it has Done. been years yeah. since either of us had a merch table, but you had the shirts because if you, even though they were, they were kind of pricey sometimes to get them made. If you bought a certain amount, you could get really good profit margin on them because you could charge. I mean, many of you experience this when you go to concerts. The shirts could be, I mean, back then they were like 20 bucks, which was like a lot. Now you could go to a concert. We've gone to some concerts recently. The shirts are $40, yep. $50, mm-hmm. you know, in the venue. So if it's costing you $5 to make this shirt, even $7, and your profit margin is you just sold that for 40 See, bucks. That's another thing you just brought up mm-hmm. is that certain venues also want a percentage. No, big facts. So they're going to have one of their people there yep. selling things. And then at the end, there's a count where you have to stand there and they have to stand mm-hmm. there. That way they can come up with how much money you got to give back to them. Yes. yes. <laughs> or, or they would take their percentage out and they would give you a check at the end of the night, however they worked it out. You didn't know based on what city you were going to, if the venue was then going to be like, oh, sorry, we get 10% of that. So when yeah. you're buying these shirts and, and shipping them, it was hard to figure yeah, out. Yeah, because it's like that's turning out to be a lot of cost. The cost of producing the merch, the cost of shipping it. And then you get there and they're like, oh, that's our 10%. Sometimes at certain arenas, that's our 15, depending on, yeah. you know, where you were yeah. and taxes and all the rest of it. So there was a lot that went into that merch table. CDs. It is very sad and unfortunate for a lot of us as traveling artists that 
that everything went to streaming because Man. CDs was the perfect Man. piece of merch to have at your table. They cost less than two bucks to make and you could sell them for $10. I was printing them from the house at one point. I had a printer that you could print on top of the CD, like to print the cover. Every <laughs> Oh my gosh. I try, I try to tell young artists that like, I get a lot of rappers coming up asking me, you know, young kids want to rap and stuff. And young artists come up to me asking me about stuff and talking to them. I'm be like, man, once upon a time, you could show up to a venue where no one had ever heard your name before. And if you got in there and you put on a show and you made them people feel something, you gonna come back to your merch table and them CDs going to be gone. Man. And at like 10, 15 bucks a piece, man, you know how many streams it would take? Oh, come on, man. Like, wow. That was a time. Like, what there, an era. There were some times that we were really struggling financially. Yeah. And sometimes it depended on the gig. Like if you were going to actually get paid when yep. you got there, sometimes yep. they were like, oh, we only mail checks or we only send out oh checks on certain days of the week. So you went and did the whole gig. And thankfully, you know, we had a system, you know, with you know our booking agency at the time where there was deposits and stuff they had to pay. Mm -hmm. But that still wasn't money you were walking away with. Like no. even the deposit they sent to our agent, we didn't see that money until we played the gig, until we got <laughs> home. So sometimes the merch table was how you were getting ready to eat food oh, that day yeah. or the next day because yep. a lot of that at that time was cash. cash. Yep. This is like before there was Cash App and mm -hmm. all the rest of those. Like I mean, we had a square where say, people what, could yeah. use credit cards, but we would get a lot of people coming by the merch table, you know, buying stuff in cash. cash. If they really enjoyed what we did, sometimes they'd be like, um, I only got a 50 and I want a T-shirt and I want, you know, a CD. And then it would like not work out evenly. Like we would need to give them change and they would be like, I don't want the change. Yep. Like people would do that at the merch table. Yeah. So there was a lot riding. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on how those sales went. So to give y'all an idea of like how that setup was in the smaller spaces we went to that typically would be more so smaller Christian colleges at the time, smaller churches, you would still have the merch table situation there, but it would just be less, you know, less people. It'd be like a smaller thing. Sometimes it would be a little more intimate. And sometimes I was great. And sometimes I was not so great with the things people thought they could say to you. So the merch table <laughs> was like there in all these different aspects from the little small church that you went to that only six people came up to the merch table Man. to the arena that you were in where there were 18,000 people. But here, here's another thing I want to tell y'all. We would do these arena tours. We This happened to us probably at least a couple of times that we've done these together. And separately, we also both have done like arena style events. Mm -hmm. And the thing about an arena that's interesting is when you are not headlining, when you are on a bill where there might be six other artists, right? Like your merch table's there, but the people may not know who you are when mm -hmm. you get there. Nope. And then they have to remember you and five other artists, seven other artists. So that all depended on where you were, how well those people knew you, how long you got to perform comparatively to the headliner that may have had an hour set. Maybe we had 10 minutes earlier in the night. So now at the end of the night, they have to remember us enough mm -hmm. to want to come by the merch table. A lot of things were going on, y'all. Let's talk about weird things people say <laughs> at the merch table. 
Um, I want to begin the conversation, Matt, with I've never heard of you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because you would have to set your merch up, especially if you were in like an arena situation, you would have to set up your merch prior to the event. Yes. So people would be like coming in to get their seats and it'd be like us and maybe, you know, in those of you who are familiar with like Christian market, meaning like Christian artists that sell albums and those parts, there would be Christian artists whose names were very big, maybe because their songs played on radio at the time or because if they were worship artists, people knew their songs from church or there were all sorts of things. So there were some artists that people walked in like, oh, they know this band. Oh, they know this artist. And then there was us. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was us. Where a lot of them didn't know us. And the wild thing about an arena show is for our, for in our experience, and maybe this is a Christian market thing, most of those arena shows weren't in a big major city. You weren't in L.A. Mm -mm. in an arena. Mm -mm. You weren't in New York in an mm -mm. arena. Mm -mm. You weren't even in Atlanta in an arena. You were in Macon. <laughs> you were in Erie, Pennsylvania. Maybe Orlando if you're lucky. <laughs> you know, so you're you're not dealing with people who are metropolitan. You're dealing with people who are like, I came to this because I want to hear some Christian music. And they're walking to the merch table and would walk right up to our table and be like, what do you do? I've never heard of you. My favorite was when they would pick the CD up and flip it over on the back and read it. I don't know if they were looking for a song they maybe knew and didn't know it was me or you, or if they're looking for featuring insert name of whoever. And when they didn't see it, they just kind of this puzzled look and put it back down. You don't know me. I don't know you. Mm -mm. It's okay. Mm -mm. They would also say, is this Christian music? Yeah. That was a big question that we would get all the time. Yeah. And like from in my mind, that was always kind of funny because I don't think even though Matt and I both were performing our art in Christian spaces, for us, there was like a difference between artists who considered themselves Christian so-and-so. They considered themselves a Christian rapper, a Christian singer-songwriter. They were a Christian band, you know. And then there were those of us who were like, we are Christians, but like that's not necessarily like a, a qualifier or like mm -hmm. a, 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 a title or whatever that we have. And so whenever they would say that, it was always kind of funny to me because I'd be like, I think I understand why you're asking that question. And I guess some of this art we'd made was Christian. But then I would be like, nah, you might want to go two tables down. Mm, they are very <laughs> explicit. Well, was always wild to me for my stuff specifically is because my role in most of these events was I would be on for an hour up front. Everybody's walking in. So it's my job to get that crowd on 10. That way, by the time the first band comes in, and then sometimes I would be there to keep the momentum going between bands. I'm on the microphone. I got the crowd chanting, singing along. You know, so it's it's a lot of instrumental music. Right. I'm not up there making a point. You mm -hmm, know, I'm not up mm -hmm. there delivering some form of a message. I am very much so entertainment, and I love it. I'm an entertainer at heart. That's what I do. It's what I love to do. And so in the music that I was making was mostly instrumental music. I ran into this question more times than I can count, but is it a Christian album? <laughs> and the first, <laughs> for a while, I would be like, well, it's instrumental music. Like um, is, is that, that makes it neutral. 
in a sense. Yeah, because there, there's no message. How? Right. What? If there's no words, was that a Christian kick drum? Is that a? <laughs> Yikes! Did, did Yikes. you baptize that drum kit? We like, love a Christian trumpet. Did we you love put, to see if the did you get the oil on that MPC? My mind. Uh, We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
when I would just say, yeah, I would see it ease up on their face and they'd be like, yeah, I'll take three of them. <laughs> Yikes. And so I just learned that for whatever reason, these people just need to know that it was safe for the whole family. Right. Okay. Because, you know, in a lot of these large especially the big arenas and stuff. There's a lot of youth groups who have shown up in some massive 16 passenger van. Right. And I know this dude is asking me this, like if I put this in on our ride home, because my teenagers just enjoyed what you just did. Am I going to hear some things? That I'm going to get some calls from some parents right, because their kids right, went home and said right. this thing. And, and so that's why I was like, Oh, you're just asking, is it safe for me to play? At my youth group, my right. in the van, or whatever. So that's where I was like, it's that thing of uh, customer service uh-huh. that still very much so exists in whatever line of work you do. Mm-hmm. I, I still have it now, even though I'm not working in those environments. It's some of it's the same, oddly. Some <laughs> <laughs> just the questions are different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it is interesting now to think back on that because we started out doing a lot of youth events because what we were doing sort of fell in fell in the fun category yeah. which is interesting when you're when you're performing in a lot of these especially like more conservative or evangelical christian environments if it falls in the category of hip hop or like it's fun it's a good time they're like oh, that must be for the students. You could come and speak to our youth. At most, they'll be like, oh, I bet our college students. And maybe every now and then you'd get a young adult situation. Like a single situation. Yeah, where it'd be like somehow people randomly between 18 and 35 that are just aimlessly wandering through their lives can come here. But otherwise, once you got past that sort of thing, then it kind of felt like every all the fun got sucked out of it. All the music turned very slow and had to be very... Acoustic guitar. Yeah, like contemplative and like any of that fun school. stuff was like... I was like, what are the vibes? So I think that was probably one of the things that helped me and Matt to know that we need to start phasing out doing youth events. Because for me, you know, to the point of what you said, babe, like I'm thinking about art and for many Christian folks, there is this idea that like, if it's not air quotes, safe for the whole family, then that means there's stuff in it that as Christian people, you shouldn't be listening to. But I started to really have a lot of questions about that yeah. the more we travel because yeah. I was like, well, the the differentiation you made makes sense. There's certain things that are appropriate for a kid. There's certain things that are appropriate for a teenager. That doesn't mean that love songs are bad. That doesn't necessarily no. mean that songs about sex are inherently bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all of them things is good either, but I'm just saying like it really like narrowed in this way that I didn't like as an artist. It, it very much so narrowed the lane of what story you yes. could tell as an artist yes. or or what paintbrush you could paint with. Yes. And I felt like those gaps were already very well filled. That yeah. lane was ve- is very well filled and continues to be. Mm-hmm. And that's that's fine. But like, I want to talk about the things that I see in my everyday. I want to talk about my, here, here's what I see in right. my life, which I think goes back to the idea of something we both experienced of, I don't want you to see me. Right. That's but yeah, wild. that was always a wild question of, is it Christian? <laughs> and like, my brain had to compute through like, what is the question this person is really asking right. me? Right, <laughs> please. So I'd be like, yes, it is. And if they'd be like, if that's going to help us order room service later, sure. The level the of- album's Christian. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing that would be hilarious to us, especially when we would be 
in these like medium to small towns that to them, this Christian tour of however many people coming to blah, blah, blah city in Kentucky or wherever we were, this was this was their social interactions yeah. for the year. This oh, was man. like a super big deal. They were going out. And we would go do our thing. And the moments of them coming up afterwards, we had this happen several times. And people would be like, you know what? I loved every minute of what y'all did. Y'all are really talented. And you know what? I think y'all should take this on the road. Y'all should really <laughs> take this out there. And listen, if y'all ever want to go to Wisconsin, oh. my brother is a pastor up there. Mm. I got some connections for you. And y'all y'all really need to think about that. And so, of course, Matt and I are literally standing at the table like, this is literally the road. Like, like we are on. We just left somewhere <laughs> to come here. We're leaving here to go somewhere else. But you Man. know what? You're on to something, lady. Man. Here's, here's another aspect. I don't know if we've talked about this yet. The volunteer aspect. Ooh, where yikes, you would get to, whether it's a large place, small place, mm-hmm. and typically they would say, here is the volunteer that we have from this church or this organization who is going to be at your mercy. Because while we're on stage, we can't right. be there. Right. And also, we're going to need help once Hopefully, once the floodgates of people go, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this, I must have this. Wow. And, and so. And we weren't making enough money yet where we could afford uh-uh. to travel with that size of team. Like some nope. artists, whatever um, genre, right? Some artists get to where they, they're making enough money that like it's them, it's their DJ or their band. Plus they have people traveling with them to do social media. Plus they have people traveling with them that are handling merch, inventory, money counting, that they have a person that does that at every event. We were not. We were all of the above. <laughs> It was us, <laughs> our GoPros, maybe Man, a little Zoom no. to catch some audio and a square reader. <laughs> That's it. So those volunteers were kind of like saving grace for us, especially like if one of us had a gig and the other one wasn't performing, then the other person might hold down the table. But when we both had to perform, which we did together for many years, like who can hold down the table? So now you got random volunteers. You're handing them money. <laughs> Man. <laughs> like... Square readers. Oh, man. I I would typically ask, have you ever used an iPad before? Mm. And you would be surprised at how often at that time they'd be like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Say it ain't so, y'all. Oh, okay. Matt, I want to talk about the air quotes famous conversations that we had on the road. Being air quotes Christian famous or church famous is wild is false. <laughs> well, <laughs> like it's just because when you're a performer in Christian market, or as some of my friends refer to it as the Christian industrial complex, mm. when you are a performer there, you feel like a big fish, but you are actually in a very small pond. Yeah. But to that small pond of people, there are some names that really, really matter yep. over there, you know? And when you leave that space, You are not that you have. You might have like we would get booked for an event. And for three days, we felt a little bit like the Beatles because everywhere, every restaurant we went to around the conference venue, every time we went back and forth to the hotel, entering the space. I mean, some of this I know it's got to sound so weird to y'all that like they would have to give hosts to us to walk us in and out of the venue because there would be that many people at the conference or whatever. They'll be like, oh my gosh, Amina. Oh my gosh, DJ L. Diggy. You have that for like mm-hmm. three days straight. Oh yeah. 
even when you get to the air the airport in whatever that city is, <laughs> the people are still like, I really enjoyed you. Take a picture with me. That is the weirdest thing. You could even land back for us. We would land back home in Atlanta and there were still people that were just on our flight that live in Atlanta still asking for our pictures at the baggage claim. OK, and then you get in your car. You go to a restaurant when you leave the airport, you stop by Target and you know what? Nobody's worried about Not you. At so all. it's weirdly like disorienting because I can see for people who make their career there for years and years, like that you do feel like a famous person. So we would go to places and people would say, they would ask us, especially students in particular, would ask us, Are you famous? Yes. I got that <laughs> pretty often. <laughs> At the merch table. Hey, are you are you famous? I, I remember when Instagram first like started popping up yeah. to become a thing. Yeah. And like the idea of, you know, once upon a time, everybody wasn't a brand. We weren't that aware <laughs> of ourselves. <laughs> Yikes. I remember once it started becoming socially a thing of how many likes you were getting on yeah, whatever sure. the social media platform. And that's when Instagram was first kind of popping up. That's when people were posting pictures on mm -hmm. Instagram. I don't even think video was an option yet. And I can remember I would be, you know, wrapping up my turntables, whatever. Some line of 13-year-olds would be standing in front of me wanting to take a picture. Somebody being like, are you famous? Yikes. And my answer has always been, well, if I was would you have to ask? <laughs> that part. And my, my answer my answer was always, I go in Target, nobody's worried about me. I feel like that's a famous person. You're in Target, you mm -hmm. you going through the mall, mm -hmm. and the people are like, like, like I've been, we both have been in a place where Usher was. Yeah. Who who is a person who, just to be clear, is actually famous. Yeah. <laughs> like for real famous. The whole mall is a buzz. Like, oh my God, that was Usher. Oh my God, oh my God. And I would tell the kids, I go to Target all the time. And you know what? Nobody's there. Like, Nobody. Oh, it's Even in the scenario you pointed out earlier about like being at the airport and people being like, oh, and, they're, and, they're, and they want to take these pictures and stuff. The people who were not at the event, sometimes they'd be sitting next to us on the plane. They'd be like, so who are y'all? And we'd be like, okay. that's also a weird conversation. I have to explain. Well, we're, you know, we live in Atlanta. She's a poet. I'm a DJ. We just were at this event and they had this experience. With, and you're trying to. Yes. It's really not. It's not actually as big of a deal as it might seem for nah, 10 minutes. Nah. I also want to speak to the things you were asked to sign. Now, I will tell y'all, there there are some heartwarming moments that happen at the merch table where your work actually means a lot oh, to yeah. people. Oh, yeah, you yeah, have yeah, people yeah. come up that are actually like supporters of what you do. I will tell you that doesn't feel like most of the time when we were in Christian market that that was our experience, but there were some times that was wonderful. Other times get a little weird, like people asking you at the merch table to sign their Bibles. That yeah. was always a weird, a weird one. one. Yeah. Like, I'm not a co-author there, so uh -huh. I don't know what I'm doing. That was always a weird one. People asking you to sign other people's merch, which I realize now was a budget situation. This is people being like, <laughs> I can only afford to buy one of y'all CDs out here. So they were like, I'm going to buy so-and-so CD over there, but I'm going to walk around to everybody else's merch table and be like, sign this. Yeah. There's a small period of time where there was a certain Christian rapper mm -hmm. that was at a lot of the events we were at, mm -hmm. where I think that record label has an engineer who also traveled as a DJ mm -hmm. with them. And he happened to be a white dude. I happened to be a white dude. From far enough away, maybe, like, I don't think we look alike, but whatever. So I would get asked to sign a lot. And I, 
<laughs> Again, it's back to that thing where like people walk up to you and they already have in their mind, like there's no telling them I'm not that or no. Well, it's an instrumental album. It's just go ahead. This person, <laughs> there's something this person wants. They want it in a timely Ooh, manner. So just go on ahead and give it to them. That's, that's just how I roll. So I was like, they walked up to me with this certain artist CD. And for a while I'd be like, I have nothing to do with this. Isn't me. This And after a while I'd be like, yeah, cool. And I just, <laughs> And I would always sign it, DJ O Dig and my O. My O always has like a little go, you know, because I've had this goatee since I was 16. So it has the O and it has a smiley face on it. And I saw the dude and told him about it. We had a good laugh about it. But. <laughs> I mean, there's probably, I can't even count to y'all the amount of CDs that people have at home that have our signatures on it. Man. And we had nothing to do with those People records. asking me to nothing. sign their shoes, like brand new shoes. Like you're talking about summertime. About, listen, I know those are your back to school shoes. Okay. And you wore them to this concert. Okay. And your mama going to be upset. But here, let me sign People asking me to you. sign their pizza. Yikes. I'm like, are you going to eat that? I'm, Man, I don't know what we're doing. It, it got really weird really fast. Sign also, my forehead. That one felt like, cultish. I'm doing, like, guys? this is yikes. And then I mean, once, I did it, but... <laughs> I mean, even with the Bibles, that was a weird one. But I would kind of be I would kind of put like my, you know, at that time, I would put like my favorite Bible verse and just sign it because I was like, maybe just to encourage you while you reading this. Like, I don't know. This is weird. Also, once people found out we lived in Atlanta, they were like, oh, you live in Atlanta, you know, Lecrae? Yeah. I can't tell y'all how many elevators, how many merch tables, how many situations we were in like this, where people it was sort of like next to the like, okay, you're here, you're performing, you must be famous in some way, you know, to them yeah. in this medium to yeah. small town in the Midwest somewhere. And they would be like, oh, where are y'all from? And then we would say, oh, we're from Atlanta. Oh, y'all know Lecrae? And shout out to Lecrae. That will always make us laugh because we would be like, man, we've been, both of us have been in Atlanta like over 20 years. We've been here. <laughs> like we've been here like a long time. And Atlanta, like. I, I've been here long to where I've been to Freaknik. <laughs> right. Right. And I was here like two, probably two years post the last real, real Freaknik. Yeah. Like it was just dissipating when I moved here. So we've yeah. been in Atlanta a long time. So that always like makes us laugh. I was here when there was a new group called Outcast coming out. <laughs> okay. Okay. And we're like, whoa, right. they sound like us. Okay, Good a mom. new group. Oh. Okay, that's the people know. And it would just make us laugh also because, you know, when we're home in Atlanta, our artist community here is very different from, yeah. you know, the people that even that might have been our friends that we would see like on the road or whatever. So we had a lot of artist community here, mm -hmm. but most of the artists that we know that we kicked it with, that we like went to shows with, they weren't traveling to these events. Mm -hmm. They were looking at the pictures we posted like, what wait, doing? what is this? Other DJs would be doing? like, wait, what is this thing like, you're doing? Huh? So that was always funny to us. Like the, do you know Lecrae question to me typically came after, yes. are you famous? And do you know Lecrae? Do you know Lecrae? <laughs> yes. And sometimes, do you know David Crowder? So oh, that, that that's one also true. That's true. Because some and, people knew he was here. Yeah. And I think that that question kind of came with the, are you famous? Which also back to my earlier thing about like people wanting to make sure they're getting the most likes for their post. Yeah, yeah, of this yeah, random yeah. They're, I think what they're asking is, are you worth me taking this picture <laughs> with? Because I don't know you, but is it going to give me these likes? Because if I don't know you, can I prove you're important enough for me to post if you tell me, oh, yeah, I know I know Lecrae or I know David Crowder. Like, I had dinner with them or something. Like, at that point, then it'd be like, oh, well, if I post it and people are like, we don't know them. He'd be like, well, yeah, but they said, you know, they said that they, you know, eat sushi with David Crowder sometimes or something. I don't, that, that was, that was always weird. Got a little muddy. Yikes. Mm-hmm. 
Just like the merch table. Uh, okay, the merch table is a very muddy place. So we wanted to give y'all a little window into what used to be our life. And that's just a little bit of what the merch table is like. We're looking forward to coming back and sharing more of our road stories with y'all because there's so much to tell you. So thanks again for joining me, babe. Imagine the stories we didn't tell. Okay, we'll have to do like an after dark version for y'all, for real. If you see us in person, we might. <laughs> See y'all next time. Peace. Her with Amina Brown is produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions as a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey there, parents and teachers. Are you tired of feeling like every day is a battle of wills with your kids? Let me tell you about something that changed the game. Love and Logic. Love and Logic isn't just another parenting or teaching strategy. It's a mindset shift that empowers you to raise responsible, respectful kids while keeping your sanity intact. With Love and Logic, you'll learn practical techniques to set limits with empathy, give your kids the tools they need to make smart choices, and build relationships based on mutual respect and understanding. Love and Logic stands behind their methods with a one-year money-back guarantee. Try it out risk-free. If it doesn't change your life, we'll buy it back. Plus, you can get 10% off with code IHEART10. So if you're ready to say goodbye to power struggles and hello to peaceful, loving relationships with your kids, it's time to give Love & Logic a try. Visit their website or call today. Your sanity will thank you. Love & Logic, because parenting and teaching should be a joy, not a chore. Visit loveandlogic.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.